believers who have died. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of the mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will, will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. <clears throat> Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Oh, before we begin, I just want to say how wonderful it was to have so many of you come and join us yesterday, uh, whether it be afternoon tea or for a bit of a meal. Uh, it was so lovely to have a number of you, so you might do it again uh, down the track a bit, but uh, thank you for being part of that. It really meant a lot to our family and uh, lovely to uh, get to know a number of you in that way, in a better way. So let us pray and we'll um, have a look together at this uh, section of God's Word. Our Father in our God, thank you for the promise of uh, meeting with us, uh, with, with us each today as your people and we thank you for the uh, blessing of your word now just read and uh, this time together over these minutes to just reflect particularly on this uh, wonderful hope that we have as uh, your saved people here. So Lord, please would you um, encourage us as your word says, that uh, we might encourage one another in these things. For Jesus' sake, amen. There was a CEO of a large company who um, pulled up for work one day and he had his brand new BMW NASCAR C2. You can sort of just picture that. It's just sort of pulled in and the... Uh, the top just extended and out he came. It was a beautiful car, it was sh sh uh, silver and a real head turner. But at the same time, there was an employee of that same company and uh, happened to sort of hop off a bus behind it at the same time and uh, began looking over the car. Uh, he said to his boss, my, that's a beautiful car you've got there. It, it must be worth a fortune. It must be incredible to drive. His boss replied, do you know what? I reckon that if you work hard over the next 12 months, you consistently put in the effort, 
the extra hours that's required, that you give your all to the company as it goes forward, I reckon I should be able to buy another one for myself next year. Now, I think it's fair to say that just for a moment there, the employee had high hopes, but were dashed in a breath. And in this section of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is dealing with a pastoral matter. Their hope that was being squashed because they were ignorant and grieving. What happens to believers who have already died when the Lord Jesus returns? And Paul writes to comfort them to rekindle their hope. As a minister, I've taken many funerals and I reckon that at more than half of the people who have died at these funerals haven't been Christian. And I try to bring a sort of word of comfort from God's word, a psalm, uh, something from the gospel, a ray of truth into the gloom. <clears throat> but in the eulogy part, I've heard often, I've heard people sort of make light-hearted comments like, <clears throat> he's, playing, he's probably playing his perfect 18 holes of golf now in heaven. She's probably up there directing the choir. She's probably watching on us now to make sure that we're going to look after her Hercules, the beloved Chihuahua. I mean, it's all just wishful thinking. It's as if life just sort of goes on after death up there for Harry or Helen in a better place. God, Jesus, is not in the picture. But God, Jesus... Never have been. As I look at people sitting there, often putting up with the Jesus bit, inevitably I go away wondering what hope do people have without Christ when faced with death? What is their comfort? I remember once asking a fellow I played squash with, what do you think happens to us after we die? He was breathing pretty heavily at that point. We'd just played our five games of squash, perspiring, and I probably th he probably thought that I was thinking that he may not have long to go. He was breathing pretty heavily there, about to croak it. He said to me, look, I just, uh, you know, I just don't know, but I sort of gently pushed him a little bit on that, and, I said, and he joked. We said, well, worm food. Oh, look, there's, there's got to be something, right, when we die. I just don't really know what it is. He was ignorant. It was hopeless. Now, Paul wants his Christian friends to grieve well, to not be ignorant about those who die in the Lord's, to be grieving with hope. So, look at verse 13 with me. Brothers, do not want, do not, do not want, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Uh, yes, uh, that little phrase there, those who fall asleep, is a metaphor Paul uses to describe when those who die in Jesus. It's got nothing at all to do with that dreadful heresy called soul sleep. 
In fact, remember um, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 8 and uh, Philippians 1, 23 makes it very clear that believers are consciously with the Lord after death. Rather, what Paul is doing here is using an expression to change how we're to think about the significance of death for the believer. We don't grieve as unbelievers. As he said, like the rest of men without hope who are ignorant. He's not saying here that the Thessalonians shouldn't grieve for people who die in the Lord. Rather, that as believers, their grief should be different from those who have no hope. So, if you like, here's another way he's urging them to be distinctive. That living by faith in the Lord, Jesus, gives, their, gives them hope, even as they face the raw reality of bereavement. Many, may, many of you will probably remember that the, the, my first day here was on a Monday, and of my, after, just after the installation, and I took a, the funeral of Michael Van Beek. After two weeks, or about two weeks earlier, Michael died in the Lord. His body in death was like it was sleeping. One day, Jesus woke up a 12-year-old girl. One day, he woke up Lazarus from the grave. And a day is coming when he will wake up Michael. And he'll wake up your loved ones in Jesus. And all of us who have died trusting in Jesus. What's the basis of this hope? And unlike that selfish CEO who gives no reward, we have Jesus who gives hope. Verse 14, the basis of our hope, Jesus' resurrection. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. These are facts of history. Jesus died. And rose again. It was a creed. It was the cornerstone of the gospel. It was the basis of their faith and of their hope. Because of this, Paul says that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. His resurrection guarantees the resurrection of all who trust in him. A day is coming when many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Daniel 12 verse 2. Death is called falling asleep in Jesus because, as with Jesus, death is is not the end. Death is the prelude to the, a resurrected physical life beyond the grave for all believers, including those who are already fallen asleep in him. 
When Jesus, our Saviour, bore our sin, he endured the worst that death could possibly be. There was no reducing or moderating the horrors of death for him. He paid our sins' wages. And because he did that, all of us who trust in Jesus won't face that horror when our time comes. It will be as falling asleep in him. And because God raised Jesus, so in time he will raise everyone asleep in him. If God did not abandon Jesus in death, he will not abandon those who die in the Lord. They cannot be overlooked, forgotten or miss out, for they are in Jesus and with Jesus. He will bring them with his coming. Jesus his resurrection, the basis of our hope. We may grieve because a loved one in the Lord has departed. We might be sad at the anniversary of their death. We miss them. We will grieve with those who grieve. It's perfectly understandable. But we don't grieve like the rest, do we? Like we have no hope. Our hope is anchored in the solid events of history. Jesus, the model and means of the resurrection, the pattern, the pathway of our resurrection as believers. The Thessalonians need not fear. Those who have fallen asleep in him will share in the great events of Jesus' resurrection. And then look with me now at Jesus' return, the focus of our hope, which will happen when he returns. So verse 15, and we're just going to look through these bit by bit. Verse 15, where he says, according to our Lord's own word. According to our Lord's own word, we tell you. So he prefaces what he's about to say, saying, this is coming from the Lord. They aren't sort of speculative words. They can take comfort that what is being described here is certain concerning the return of Jesus. He says that those who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. The word for the coming of the Lord is the word parousia. Jesus is coming. And Paul has already said at the end of chapter 3 that he is praying that God would make their hearts strong in the Lord so that they would be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when Jesus comes. Now he makes a distinction here between believers who are still alive on earth and believers who are asleep. 
And just because they have died in Christ doesn't mean they are disadvantaged. Quite the contrary. To depart and be with Christ is better by far. When the dignitary or emperor arrived in the city, it was a great fanfare, a great moment of festivities in the city. The people of the city would go out of the city to meet the official. I'm sure you've seen footage when Queen Elizabeth arrived in the capital city and it was almost as if the whole of the nation went out to welcome her, to see her and meet her. People wanted to be present at the parousia of an earthly official. How much more should believers want to go out and meet the Lord at his coming, his parousia? Now the Thessalonians are wondering, those of us who are alive when Jesus comes will have this honour, but what about our departed friends in the Lord? How can they take part? According to the Lord's word, those still alive won't be first. There's an order. Those who have fallen asleep will rise from the dead and go before those who are alive in the Lord, when the Lord Jesus comes. Have a look at verse 16. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. You see, the Lord himself. There's absolutely no doubt. It's the Lord himself, not an angel or some representative of him. It won't be a secret. Look what further says. There's going to be a loud command. You recall from the gospel, the Lord Jesus said that a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. He speaks to the graves, buried in the ground, buried at the sea, in those plots at the cemeteries, for the Lord of life summons his own to obey from the ends of the earth. They arise. It's just so difficult to take that in, isn't it? What will it be like? Accompanying his great command is the voice of an archangel, a chief messenger of God, a ministering spirit is graciously included by him at that moment as the dead in Christ are gathered from the four corners of the earth. And then a third great sound we see here is a trumpet call of God. The Old Testament prophets said the coming of the Lord would be announced by the trumpet of God. They also said that God's scattered people would be gathered and God would bring them salvation. It is the trumpet of God, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, that commands the resurrection of the dead. And what this means is God will raise those asleep in Christ first. So they come out to meet the Lord. 
They're not abandoned, forgotten, overlooked. It's like that they have special treatment. There is no possibility that those who died in Christ will ever be separated from him. For they died through him. They sleep in him. They will awake and will rise with him and will come out with him. And then Paul describes what's going to happen to believers who are still alive when Jesus returns. That may be us, friends. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive, who are left with, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. It's about reunion. It's about the church living on earth, being joined with those who have already been resurrected. This being caught up to meet the Lord in the air has been called the rapture of the church. Please note that uh, Paul is not giving here any sort of timing about future events. how it's going to happen in relation to what is called the Great Tribulation. His focus is addressing a misplaced grief. His aim is pastoral, to comfort them, because of those who have died in the Lord. His friends can be sure that when Christ has returned, every believer including those who have died in Christ, will spend eternity in the presence of Christ. Not one believer will be forgotten. You see that phrase, we meet the Lord in the clouds, it's always been associated with glory, clouds in the Bible, like at Mount Sinai or at Jesus' transfiguration or when he ascended into heaven. We'll meet... With him, with new bodies, transformed, never to die in the clouds, never to decay. You've probably seen at the Olympic Games those uh, relay races, the 400 metre relay race for instance. And uh, the first runner goes on the lap and he's running along with the baton in his hand and then he finishes and he stands on the side, perhaps waits, encouraging the others on to finish. And then finally, the last runner comes through down the home straight, breaks the tape, comes in first. But you see, it's when the medals are awarded, it's not just the person who ran the final lap of the race that stands on the podium. All four are there and all four are receiving gold. None are forgotten. Even the three of them that had finished running before the race was run, won. And what Paul wants to convey is the assurance that believers who have already finished their earthly course, who have run their race, would certainly not be overlooked or miss out when Jesus comes in glory. Paul hasn't shared these details for some academic interest. He knew he had grieving friends there in the church. 
And in the midst of natural sadness that comes with bereavement, he wants them to draw close to each other with these words of comfort. In verse 18, where he says, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. They are to live in this hope of the personal return of Jesus and use these words to one another to rekindle their hope. However distressing or untimely from our perspective the death of a believer may be, our confidence and hope is based on the gospel. Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus will return for his own. Ultimately, nothing can separate believers from the Lord Jesus. As believers, our confidence for the future comes because Christ died and rose again. Christian hope is never wishful thinking, of hoping that we will one day go to heaven so we continue playing golf. It's tied to that first Easter weekend. In Jesus' resurrection, a doorway was forcibly opened that through the wall of death, we might follow Jesus all our days. Right to the end when we breathe our last. And we shall pass through death. We will be with the Lord. The day comes when all who died in Christ will rise. A new body for a new heaven and earth. But here Paul is focusing our hearts that we're going to meet the Lord Jesus and we'll be with him forever. It's about our devotion to Christ, meeting your Saviour and Lord. Do you fear death? One day you shall either hear the words of Jesus waking you up or it will be for you that you are still alive when he comes being caught up into glory with him. Do you fear death of a loved one trusting in Christ? Death is not the end, is it? The basis of our hope is Jesus' resurrection, focus on his return. Our great King of Kings will come on the clouds, Jesus Christ. His church for whom he died will meet him there. Believers who have died before his return, believers alive at his return, a glorious meeting as the King meets his subjects who have been devoted to him throughout their lives. What a glorious hope and a comforting hope we have.
Therefore, brothers and sisters, encourage each other with these words. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we know that death comes because of sin. But we know that in your dear son, that he has conquered sin and death and risen again and is returning. And so, Lord, as we do grieve the loss of loved ones, we do not grieve as people without this hope of being with Jesus and being reunited with all God's people. And so, Lord, as your church and people, we cry out, come, Lord Jesus, May we be ready, devoted people, living distinctly lives full of hope of this day and this coming. And so, Lord, we pray that we may, in that devotion, be sharing the great news of the hope that we have. Please work in all of our hearts as we think about those we know who do not have this hope. Please give us perseverance as we pray for them, as we share our lives with them, that they may see the difference of the hope that we have in Jesus. Please encourage us as we seek to encourage one another in these truths and in these words. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.